This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 385, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. You will not find us among those who dream of escaping. Across the ether we come, all is out for the singing. You don't age when you live at a Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 385. I'm Josh Flanagan, and joining me are Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Paul Montgomery. Hello. Let's perk it up, guys. I'm happy to be here. I missed a week. You I haven't listened did. to that show yet. Oh, so I forgot you missed it. Yeah, see, you didn't even know. Uh, I just finished reading the comics from last week then, so I'll, I'll listen. Uh, I feel about you can do last week website. again. You want to do last week again first? I guess. I mean, why, why not is the real question. IFanboy.com is our website, and I, we, I'm getting through this. We read comic books. We talk about them every week. One of us picks the best of the books that they read that week. They call it the pick of the week, write a review about it. That goes up on the websites on Wednesdays. And then we talk about that book, other books from the week, and other stuff that comes up here on the podcast. Before we get to it, like we said, we're going to be talking about the comics. So if you haven't read them, there will probably be spoilers, uh, mostly out of spite. So uh, this is a... <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of something to say. 
but I can't. That's a really that's a really good thing in the script to throw me off because it made me laugh. <laughs> okay, this is a review show that we here we go deep, and we will be learn- talking about the things that happen in the book. So if you're worried about spoilers, please. Go. No one knows what we're laughing about, and we're not we're not telling them. There it is, Connor. I didn't have the pick. I didn't think so. I said it, and it felt wrong. There's the mistake. Oh. It's like a, uh, I don't know, it's like it's like a Persian rug, and there's the flaw in, in every one of them, um, just to keep things interesting. It doesn't make them more valuable. Well met, Josh and Connor. Uh, we're here to talk I... about Thor, God of Thunder, number eight, Herald of the Storm. The second pick of the week for this series. After the first one. Which from... came out a month ago, I think. <laughs> Does it feel like that to you? I don't know. It's about. But so much has happened since then uh, to, to, to brash young Thor of Midgard in, in its Viking age, uh, where he's been flung into the future, uh, into Jason Aaron's horrifying vision of the future, where Asgard is in ruin, and the god butcher Gore has all of the gods of the world that yet live under his lash, or up on, up on hills on, on a bunch of crosses. It's kind of grim. It's kind of a bad place to be for a god. He doesn't um, like gods. He is doesn't. What I'm getting from he's this an, he's issue. an agnostic. That's <laughs> a thing. Some um, came up with me while I was reading this, and I was like, "This guy, he doesn't like gods." <laughs> that, that must be. I it. can't. You know, I get oh. a feeling. I get a feeling oh, he doesn't like him. That's the theme. Yeah, it's a bit of the theme. He went. Uh, he went to Catholic school, and so he he knows what it's about. A couple um, of those nuns just hit him way too hard. Way too about. hard. Um, but he's probably good at art history. So uh, if, if, if my experience is, is any indication. Um, so, yeah, so this is this is the latest issue uh, in the, the ongoing saga. And this is the issue where all three Thors from three different timelines meet up. And uh, Connor, you put it in the uh, best of the week in panels, that great final page where, nay, the time of words has ended. It is now a time of hammers. And you knew, once you knew that's was where we were going, that's when the book really got so exciting. And not that it hasn't been before, but that's when it ratcheted up a level when you realized, oh, they're all about to come together and team up. And it's going to be three Thors bouncing off each other, which has been awesome enough, just the two of them. And now also, you've got Yo- they fought each other with a shark. Space shark. Yeah, if three Thors weren't enough, um, say that three times fast, um, Sharka Thum or shark a boom whatever there's there's space sharks eating dead gods out in the uh in the solar winds then he then he did the he did the fish slapping dance with a giant star shark yes, he did on a on an older version of himself <laughs> and then the older older version of himself was like stop doing that with the sharks <laughs> this this is a fantastic book it's just it's just over the levels. top great it's i mean it's like it's over the top but staying within that plausibility it's not like it's not goofy over the top it's, it's over no, the top no. but in a, it, with characters and in a setting that you can be over the top and still have it be plausibly but, serious but it's i mean i think i think the big thing is that you know jason Aaron has this great voice for like the old sagas uh of the nords and uh and can and can pull off that really lofty thor language um mm-hmm. but it's also really funny yeah. Um, as it should be, because these guys are drunk all the time. <laughs> um, We've no more ale. Also, yeah. also, I love the the running joke of old Thor just has no respect for you if you don't have a magnificent beard. <laughs> yeah, nope. and 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 uh, contemporary, I don't know, modern Thor, the Mighty Avenger, um, has just a bit of contempt for old King Thor because he looks like Odin, and he doesn't right. like that he turns into his dad. Um, and there's more legacy stuff. There's the the uh, so-called uh, girls of thunder, the three granddaughters of Thor, um, that comment on young Thor's testicles. Well, they didn't know he was their grandfather. They, they just knew he was. She kind of. She, she. She was. Uh, she might have known a little bit. I don't think she knew until. I think. Well, the th- rules are had, different up there, right? You know, the the standards are, are way are way different. I I guess I tell myself. Sadder, you know, it, sheep. It, it, it it really does touch. I mean, there's that you know there is that weird sort of uh, sexual aspect to the to the Norse mythologies and to the Viking culture. So that that get touched upon there even a little bit. Just there, you know. there's so been at least one threesome in this book so far. Yes, I think more than one. And not and not like that was the. It's just that you you come on the scene and hey, a threesome has just happened here, and we're not really going to focus on that. I also like that current Thor, modern Thor. He's the Avenger. one who 
drank everything. <laughs> like, because you kind of think, well, no, that's not, that's the young one. He, he's already, no, no, no. The one that we know that we've spent so much. So it makes you wonder, is he loaded in all of the other Avengers books that are going on? <laughs> it makes it sound awesome, awesome, doesn't it? Kind of. And also yeah. explain some of his actions in Uncanny Avengers, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah, there's good reason for him to be, to be loaded. Or to have screwed to up. Be. He probably yeah. left Yarnbjorn behind because he was hammered. Yarnbjorn. Mighty Axe. Um, Isad Ribic, um, this is another great showcase for him. Um, he's doing the, the Frank Frazetta uh, NC Wyeth thing that I love so much. It's just like it just speaks to high adventure and... It's like old, like storybook kind of adventure that you, you you'd read, and like like he's he's, he's leveled up here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's I just mean, it it's perfect for him. I mean the three the three Thors together, you know all the all the weaponry, and then just like the uh, young Thor's suicide run, uh, with the crazy uh, what's it, nth metal or antimatter or whatever that he's running and trying to destroy this big monolithic god bomb. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I I love that idea. Like it's, just, it's a god bomb. Like it's not it's it's not it's just so it's it's, it's right out there, um, and it's just this big Death Star. It's very, like a big pimple a, on this planet. It's very Kirby-ish. It is a god bomb, uh, yeah. which is which is appropriate since this is where that would be. And I think that that's the thing that, that this book uh, this book and along with Uncanny Avengers, which which we're going to talk about too. Uh, they just like they just are taking me back to the kinds of sort of Marvel comics that I really loved, and this is this feels like that, but also modern at the same time. Um, this just this just uh, takes me totally back in that in that way, in like a really great way. Yeah, well, it, it, it just feels like you know we're on a grand adventure with these grand characters, but it also we're kind of acknowledging that you know it's goofy. There's three Thors, sure, they're drunk and they've got hammers, and it's not goofy in a way that's like take, you know, taking the piss out of this. The scenario, but it's goofy in the way that hey, this is goofy, but yeah. we're gonna have fun with it. I liked it. I liked it last issue that old King Thor kind of like he he met you know modern Thor and 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 modern Thor was like do you, do you you know you surely must remember all this. He's like the amount of times that I have like messed with the you know like the time stream and and all this stuff like I, it's just gotten old a bit. So let's just get on with it. Let's just kill this guy and and get back to normal and and save Asgard. And we're not we're not messing around like it doesn't it doesn't have to do with whatever's going on now. Yeah, it's it's our- nice off to off to the side, and that's 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 really that's that's really great about it. Um, I I I just I I jumped at the opportunity to talk about this book and celebrate it a bit, but I also this issue in particular I really like because it's yeah. that that moment where you're rallying the troops. It's mm-hmm. that exciting part. So no matter how this ends, I will remember this part where we have three Thors on this this space yacht. Well, let's 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 not forget that the end of the last issue, which we really also liked a lot, ended exactly the same. It's just that there was two Thors. Right yeah. now, there's three. Yeah, yeah I mean, like literally, you know, they just they're building they just the party. Met. It's the you know the quest yeah, is it's continuing. Fine. And it's... I I want to uh, just point out that yeah. uh, the coloring in this is really excellent. If mm. you look at that last panel and look at that sort of uplighting as the shadow goes up on the sails, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. they're they're sort of highlighted in that way. And then if you look at the at the stuff from sort of when all the slaves get together and meet around the fire, how it looks like. Um, I I tend to think of Isad Ribic like sort of paired right along with uh, with Dean White in the way that uh, Uncanny X Force looked or or uh, Ultimates when he did it, but this is a little bit different. It's uh, that because you can see that sort of pencil scratchy stuff that they've got going on, and this uh, complements that really well. You should you should pronounce the colorist's name. I'm not going to do that. Okay, uh, hang on, hold on. Let's see. It's uh, Eve I've Forcina is probably correct. I have it's no Forcina? idea how to pronounce the name. Yeah, I've never but heard of it. This it is color. it is a great looking book, and that the, the, the sort of painterly but not painterly style yeah. fits that Frazetta tone that Paul mentioned earlier. It, it, it feels like a Conan. Yeah, it's like it's it's Frazetta, and then and then uh, N. C. Wyeth who did like if you've seen like illustrations for Treasure Island and stuff, like it was a guy working at the turn of the century, the previous century. Um, it's just it, it it's sort of like a boys' adventure kind of style. Um, that was popular back then, and you would find in a big old storybook that you'd you know read with your grandfather or some this big book that's like too big even for you, and flipping the pages and stuff. And um, I kind of like that about it. It looks it's great. It's one of my favorite books. It's one of the books that whenever anybody asks me what's good right now, I always yeah. mention Thor: God of Thunder right yeah. off the bat. Um, it, it's great. It's a perfect pairing of 
uh, characters, creators, and and just tone. And I, sadly, if you read the the uh, letters page, they said that you know that this is not there won't be any more team ups from the Thors after this. But uh, it'll seems, still be fun. Well, that's okay. You don't want to outstay the welcome. I, I I kind of would like to see the girls of Thunder come back because it's a it's a cool idea and. This is such but a apparently big... we are still bouncing around the timeline. There'll be a story about young Thor, Thor story about regular Thor. Oh, story about that's good. Thor. That's a great letter. I wish I'd read that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just give you a taste for those of you at home. Greetings as guardians. Big exclamation point. Seems like he's happy. I'm writing to say that I've just got off the phone with my local comic book store and had a chat with him about my decision to cancel my subscription to Thor God of Thunder. He had to call his comic store and have a talk with them about it. <laughs> Guys, this, this is really, he's from England, but it's really been bothering me. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> All right. I was just, it's not, he called it very boring, so I don't know what to say. Let's move on to the private eye number two, which finally came out after, I think, six weeks since the first issue, which. 49 days. Pretty. I can't. I, I can deal with that schedule. If it's I didn't have like a widget or anything. I just like, I counted to write up the article. Um, this was almost pick of the week. I'm sure we can't build it, so. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. Do not ask us. Um, the Private Eye number two by Brian K. Vaughn and uh, Marcus Martin. And it is a celebration of old school detective craft with this, this, this tomorrow's technology kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's very much a, a PI story, you know. It's straight, it's, you know. Characters like PI. You can you can dress it all up in the uh, future with the fun elements in the background and then the world building, which is great. But really, at the, the heart, it's a PI. It's a classic PI tale, which is which is good, which is fun. I love those stories. Um, but again, this is another great issue. I loved the little touches of, of the world building again. I love, I love the fact that it was an automat. The automat, yeah. They went to have lunch at, which I actually am old enough to remember having eaten in in one. Um, well, you live in LA. They have to have automats out there. They're, no. like, hips, they're like hipster automats. In New York, they they had them when I was a kid. Still, it was like one or two. I think left. New York and LA would be the places. Yeah. it's like Horn and Hard Arts, right? That that whole thing. Yeah, um, and again, I think for, for me, this issue was mostly though about Martin's art. There was there was a bunch of wonderful sequences, uh, some great pages where they they remove the backgrounds for emphasis. Um, I love the shot of him walking to his office. Is that long panel? Not a long panel, but a long shot of him walking down the hallway. Just a great perspective on that. Um, great action sequences where the two guys at the end jump through the windows. And that, and that full page shot. I just yeah, yeah. I, I thought this was an issue really. What it was about Martin's uh, storytelling? Yeah, storytelling definitely. Um, that page that you're talking about, where he's going down the hallway in uh, um, the what's it called? The, uh, yeah um he's uh and he, and he and he sees the string broken at the bottom of the door um my high school english teacher told me he did that on a trip to morocco and i think he was full of shit but like he's not nearly important enough to be followed it, it, back... like he called he called you i'm like i just read private eye it was <laughs> at the beginning like... of a class and i don't even know what the context was anyway we were reading moby dick but uh so and then he pulls out the brass knuckles and and it, it's a cl- and it's a classic sort of like i don't know like a double indemnity kind of thing where you have like a I know this didn't happen in Double Indemnity, but that sort of flavor of storytelling where uh, it's the sister um, and they have a past. And um, now he's got he's got he, he has more of an obligation to figure out what happened to this this woman who tried to hire him. Um, and it's the whole thing about identity and that being so valuable, that being currency um, in this era. Uh, and it's. I don't know. It's fa- it's fascinating. I think it's it's a it's a really you know elegant way to do uh, a detective story, a PI story in 2013. Yep. Josh, any thoughts? Yeah, what you said. <laughs> no, I read it. I I I don't. Think, I feel I have nothing to add. I really like the moment the the moment where he he removes the uh, the makeup under his eyes. Yeah, and we don't know it's exactly. Symbolic, it's symbolic gesture of um, I'm not keeping anything up between us anymore. Yeah, um, and there's a couple of great things too. I liked the the uh, not detective, but the reporter who was a cop in this world uh, when he finds the S and M mask collection and just very quietly closes it back up. Yeah, <laughs> um, I also liked the the tra- train graveyard underneath the monorail that was serving as some sort of uh, shanty town where people had lived were living in the tra- in the old subway trains or whatever. Kind of the, the fabled Los Angeles uh, subway system. 
They're out Which there. Is, and they look like they're out in the same place. Uh, somewhere out, I think, in the Mojave Desert, there's like a there's like a, a plane graveyard. Right. And this sort of uh, mimics that. Yeah, and and that the whole thing with the bad guy taking on the that the the VR mask and using that you know that's that's something they used for protection, and now he's using it. Now anybody could be anybody. Oh, we should thought of that. You know, when we decided to, you know, create these false identities for ourselves. Um, yeah, there's still a lot of great things going on, and, and much like uh, Saga, I also enjoyed the letters column at the end. Although I wish it was not center justified. Yeah, the center justified thing is weird, but yeah, I like that the that the that the French rocketeer shows up at the end, his <laughs> twin with his twin brother, the, yeah. the, rock, the Fred rocketeer. That's sort of a neat surprise because there's just one on the cover, and then like it's sort of a weird in joke for the reader when you get to the end. There's two of them, so that's it's even worse. And right. then you can say that line from episode one. No. Uh, no, you don't. You I don't didn't. Say. I didn't. But there's a lot of people out there right now who are thinking about it in their heads. They're like, there's two of them. A week without an Amortian is a week without sunshine. <laughs> this week was also uh, this is the release of Battlefield, The Rise and Fall of Anna Karkova, number three. Uh, well, part three, number six, which uh, these these books like BAPRD and with with the multiple numbers in them are annoying. Oh, but, yeah, um, yeah, that's my fault. Uh, not your fault. You didn't name the books. But this was the final issue, I think, of Battlefields, uh, and appropriately enough, it takes us back to the beginning. Uh, this this story has been featuring Anna Karkova, who was the character in The Night, which is the first miniseries of this from this series, and takes us basically through her the rest of her whole life up through into the sixties and the space race. And I th- I love this issue. I thought it ended really well. I got uh, I I got a little choked up at the end. Yeah, I'll admit it. Like, and it's funny because we've been with the uh, with her for such a long time that you know I I was like at the end I was really curious what she was going to do, even though I knew I'm like, well, she can't. Uh, you know, she, basically, she she steals a plane, which she's done in every story. But back back um, that, back that up too. She was in, a, in the last issue. She was captured and she was in the a nazi prison camp during the war yep. and she met she met the british guy and they sort of performed a bond and he died uh when the russians came and took to you know bust open the prison she was of course considered a traitor for for uh um not dying yeah not dying dying in battle so uh plus being a woman pilot that probably was most yep. of the was the problem um and so this j- issue jumps ahead where she's been court-martialed or whatever happens in russia and uh she's living in a in a gulag in Siberia. Siberia, and it's the 60s now. She's an old woman, and her friend Mouse, who had saved her before, but also lived in the gulag with her, uh, had died and was tossed out with the trash rather uh, ignominiously. Horrible. Yeah, and then uh, so she decides she's going to get one last act of freedom and revenge by stealing an experimental plane and flying it. Mig. Possibly possi- a MiG, possibly to the Americans, but in the end she decides to just fly it in space and die. And uh, also, I, though, when she did it, it was also combined with the spite of uh, of, of ruining the career of the man who right. screwed her over. Because and there's that really sad there's that really sad moment where he just he tries to get her to sleep with him, and she's just like, "It's about this. This yeah. is your you know you're a child." But there's a great panel uh, when he realizes that she took the plane. He drops down to his knees. There's a shot of the plane, and then there's just a shot of her face with tears streaming down her face because the thing that makes her happiest is to fly the plane. And she starts, and then she starts talking to the pilots and sort of telling her story. Uh, and she, you know, she knows English; so that's all justifiable. And 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 you're like, well, geez, is she gonna, is she gonna, uh, you know, turn herself in and give him the plane? And she's like, I'm a hero of the Soviet Union; I can't do that. And uh, it's just, it was a, it was an elegant ending. It was, this uh, it was this sounds like a like a romp. It was a showcase. <laughs> it was a showcase for again Garth Ennis's um, almost unparalleled character building. Uh, ability. He really does. He can, in a very short amount of time, create a well-rounded character that you really do connect with, um, but and that you yeah. admire. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. yes. Sometimes no. Depending on the character. But even even then, this she is something well, to admire for sure. I, I mean, he can do characters that you don't admire. He can do horrible characters. But there's very few people who can take a character, even a flawed character, and make you admire them as mm-hmm. well as he can. I mean, he you know, no one made me like John Constantine as much as he did. No one, you know. There's so many, you know, so many characters in Preacher who who aren't good guys, but you know he, right. he makes yeah. work. But this was great, and it, it was a bit of a romp, Paul, a little bit because yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of that kind of big action uh, stuff in these stories, and this is this has been a great 
a couple of years now. He's been doing these miniseries off and on. There's been about, what, six or eight of them? Something like that. Good handful. Great tanky stories. Great, uh, great stories of Anna Krakova, some other stuff all over the place. If you like war stories and you like great character pieces, Battlefields is worth checking out for sure. Do you think reading it condensed would hurt it in any way? Nope. Uh, no, not at all. No? Okay. No. Pick up the trades. No, but it, but read the stories with her. These are the best ones. Cool. The night but, you, but you have to get them across multiple volumes because she's the first vo- first miniseries in the last. And then so there are no bad ones though. So it's cool. no. Yeah. Batman and Red Hood twenty. Uh, this is not what I want to be reading. Um. <laughs> yeah, it was neat when I thought that uh, David Bowie was going to go on an adventure with Batman. <laughs> um, that that's not just me. That looks like David Bowie, and at one panel at least. Um, I when, like, Damien, when Damien died and I said, what, what I don't want to read is Batman going off the deep end and being crazy. And, and, and that's what I'm getting here. Where as opposed to Batman, uh, the Batman title where he is alluding to it, but basically they were trying to move past it. Uh, here they're really reveling in it. And I just, you know, yeah, I mean, not as bad as trying to bring his son back to life through Frankenstein technology, like in that one, um, that was weird. This also weird. This, I mean, he's trying to do the Lazarus Pit thing, right? In this issue, yes. he brings Jason Todd back to the to the site where the Joker killed him, and hopes that it will spring free some memory that will help him get Damien back. It's really fist, kind of a dick have, thing to do. Then they have a fist fight in the desert, and, and Jason's like, "I thought we were hanging out. <laughs> I thought we were having fun busting some heads. Why are we? Why are we? Oh, I see what you're doing." Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't dig on that. I did like, I, I, I like, I kind of like the Carrie Kelly stuff. Um, I don't know where it's going to go, but I like the idea that, so Damien had this sort of like second life or third life or fourth life, Damien, whatever, um, where he's taking acting classes, um, from the, she's in college, right? She's a college girl. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, you know, trying to take on a different persona and then he's gone and he's out of the picture, but she doesn't know he's dead. She just thinks he's missing, and she thinks now that 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 Bruce has shipped him off to Europe or something at this this boarding school. And she still thinks something's kind of fishy because Jamie never mentioned this, and she wants to know what's going on. And it's it's getting a little bit I don't know Harry at the spy, and I kind of I don't know I kind of I, I think that's kind of a cool idea. Now it says it says next Batgirl in the bargain, and this one's called Rage. So I wonder if they're doing some sort of. Uh... Seven stages of grief thing, although they're not really following the standard. It's just um, order. Uh, lunacy is the whole. <laughs> like, yeah, I just don't. I just don't like be weird just, and irrational. It's well done. It's fine. I you know, but it's, I don't want to read this particular kind of story. Right, so I'm just going to. It looks skip. good. I I like the way that that he draws Bruce when he's talking to Carrie Kelly. Like he changes and he becomes like this this monolith. Mm-hmm. And like with this very stone face and like he's just he's putting on this front and he's trying to scare her away. And he only draws him that way when he's talking to her. And I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of kind of interesting. Although like the, I've always thought that uh, uh, Patrick Gleason's been a good Batman writer, sometimes a great Batman writer. But every once in a while he had stuff that threw us off, like when he used to write Damien really weirdly. And in this issue he had. You mean Tomasi. I'm sorry, Tomasi. Yes. Uh, um and in this issue, he had Alfred saying, no worries, which I feel like something Alfred would never, never say. But. Yeah, uh, I mean, Batman in the whole second half didn't sound much like Batman to me, mostly because he was talking so much. I don't, yeah. I don't, you know. I'm just going to, whenever this book return, you know, gets passed, whatever, whatever they're working out through, through uh, Batman. Then it's a weird fever dream. That's what it feels like. <laughs> it's just yeah. strange and not, and not in, in an appropriate character, character appropriate way. Which means, uh, for the first time in a long time, I'll only be reading Batman and Nightwing in terms of Batman books. Or as I used to not even Detective. No, I dropped Detective a couple months ago. Yeah, so I wasn't feeling that either. That's just the way it goes. Now, funny thing about life with Archie Twenty Nine, as we return to the Archie Report, is that I feel like some people are working out some own their own issues with this book. (laughs) How so? Uh, Which I think is fun because. Almost all of it is about the fact that the spouses don't have time for each other anymore. Doesn't yeah. matter which story it is. If it's the Veronica story, Veronica's so busy that Archie's been neglected. In the Betty story, Betty's so busy that Archie's been neglected. But also, uh, in one story, Reggie doesn't have time for Veronica because he's so busy at work. 
it's all it's all there's an undercurrent of no one's marriage is quite going the way they wanted them to go when they were teenagers yeah there's like no subtext in this um in in either of these two issues and 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 life with archie you know you get you get sort of two whole stories one from the point of view that archie married veronica and the other one where archie married betty um, and not, not that I'm looking for subtext from Archie, but it's it's all but it's just it's funny that they, there's clearly something going on in the offices of Archie. Right, no, I mean, but there's that, but then there's also I mean, but then also this is the big debate issue. My favorite was the uh, Archie marries Veronica story. Um because they get to do sort of like the the West Wing kind of thing, the low rent kind of um uh political story um where uh, veronica is what's she the communications director for no, she's the campaign manager campaign manager Miller. right for yeah and um it's a it's a whole thing about um uh, well well first off he doesn't he's he's reticent to bring in his sexuality to the the debate and to the conversation he wants to talk about the issues and for him the big issues are um guns and he thinks that they're you know they should be regulated um and I mean that, that there's a lot of speechifying in this issue, and um, luckily I, I agreed with him. Um, but I, I, you know, I could I could see that um, maybe irking other people. But I also I also really enjoyed Archie's job at, the, at where he runs the music label with all where he's clashing with the younger staffers because he wants music that says something like when Bob Dylan used to record, and, <laughs> and, the, and they just want to make prepackaged pop, and they, one guy's got a soul patch, and it's. It's it's just a this bizarre idea of what is modern and hip. But at the same time, it's really you know it does touch upon some. I mean the the the, the problems that Archie and Betty are having feel very real, right. you know, relationship wise. You know, she's got a very a new job that's very high powered, and she does not have time for him. And so he goes and has dinner with his parents and, and complains about it. I feel I think there's something weird going on where Betty is sort of like an albatross to whoever she marries. <laughs> um, and I I can't imagine how you how shut up about Betty Cooper. Stalwart, she is a saint. How stalwart Betty fans must feel because in either reality she's just you know, destitute. Um, or or in in a bad situation with Reggie and with their um, the reality show. Um, I just want one of them to have an affair, just because I want to see how, how that happens in an Archie world. Right. I don't, I don't really care which story it is. It involves sharing cookies. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's implied affair. That's where the subtlety comes in. Yeah. Archie starts having cookies with, or he goes to the mall, he goes to uh, the chocolate shop and has a malt with somebody, and that's uh, about as bad as it gets. Also, Jughead's sister's an idiot if she doesn't realize her boyfriend's a thief. He. He's basically telling her everything, but I'm going to. I have a them. bad feeling about this dude. Um, <laughs> I do not like this guy. I do not. I don't. I'm, he's dress right. Turn your hat around, man. Um, no, but and then the haircut. The the, yeah. the other thing is that I'm um, reading this, but does he have? Does he have a jean jacket with no sleeves? No, but he could. That's, that's a dead giveaway. It's a, it's a general idea, but um, what this reminds me of both of these is sort of like um, like the later uh, Cosby Show years, like when uh, when it was like Sandra and Elvin, like you know, li- li- living kind of poor, and then and Denise uh, was clearly a stoner. And then <laughs> um, when she was She's around. smoking so much pot, Bill. Cliff, whatever. And, and, uh, and then Theo um, was, was uh, a teacher at the community center. And it's like he's coming into it. That, that's, that's who Archie feels like to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, he's like, and he's realizing, he's like, wait, my parents aren't just parents. They're people too. And they're pretty right. smart. <laughs> um, it's just this is comfort food. I, I think this is a lot of fun to read. And Josh, the the boyfriend has a t shirt without sleeves on. Well, I mean, sleeves. and he wears some kind of some kind of skull cap, and he's got kind of long hair and a stubble. Oh, the stubble! He's not. Listen, if Riverdale, if you're not clean shaven, you may as well be an ex. And a soul patch. Oh, there you go. Look at this. Yeah, he's bad news, and some sort of some sort of Kirk sideburns. <laughs> it's, it, he's he just was trouble coming miles away, and she should have stayed away from him. Jelly Bean, Jelly Bean Jones. Yeah. So in the, uh, that, that sounds racist. I don't like that he calls. That's her name. I don't like that he calls Jughead Buckethead. I don't like that. <laughs> well, that's trademarked for one thing. <laughs> in the meantime, before we get to the next set of books, you can go to fanboy.com slash Amazon to help the show out. That, and when you go there, you can click on our link to go to Amazon, and anything you buy there in the next twenty four hours, uh, we get a little taste, of, a little piece, a little wedding of the beak, and nothing costs you anything. It all comes out of Amazon's rather uh, large pockets. Listen. Uh, You've wanted to learn how to play the saxophone for years. 
This is that time. You know, this Archie book would have a saxophone theme song. It would. Yeah. Um, so go there. You can buy anything you want and uh, help us out. We know you make your purchases there. You can even take the link that's on ifanway.com slash Amazon and you can make it your bookmark, which is what I do on my page. So on my daily trips uh, from, from UPS to my door, the, the daily UPS deliveries, that's how, that's how they come, through the, the link on my browser. And so uh, please help us out. It's a great uh, way to do so, and it doesn't cost you anything, and we thank you if you do so. The Kevin G. from California, you're buying a lot of rope, and we want to know what's going on. <laughs> we don't know, we don't know. We don't who know. is buying <laughs> Don't make those Somebody, jokes. Somebody's buying a lot of rope. It's a nice internet. Be a shame if something was to happen to it. Deadpool number nine. Who's still reading this? I am. I checked it out. I am. Okay. It's good. I would actually go so far as to say that these issues are stronger than the president's ones. Uh, I'm sure because the creative team is gelling more, probably. Yeah, like in terms of uh, an actual story I want to read as opposed to a bunch of moments that are vaguely funny. Uh, And and, and there's like, I don't, uh, basically the the woman, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, uh, Agent Preston, I want to say, has been, uh, her, her, her consciousness has been subsumed into Deadpool's head. And so they're arguing with each other all the time in his head, uh, not unlike a slightly fouler version of Firestorm. <laughs> and uh, yeah. there's it's sort of complicated. There's a demon, and and he, a bunch of people pledge their souls to him. So Deadpool has to go and kill those people for them, even if they're not really uh, bad guys. But they made the deal with the demon, so so they've got it coming. And and the best thing about it is that he does. Gosh, kill them. we all have got it coming. They've, you're not kidding. Uh, <laughs> he does kill them every time. Like, like your instincts are gonna go. Oh, maybe he'll find some. Nope, he killed him. What one like, of those people is Aquaman? Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of Aquaman jokes. It's a little cheap, but what, you, what can you do? Uh, it's fun. It was a really uh, fun, uh, well drawn bit uh, where she was like walking around in his subconscious, uh, and it was it was kind of surreal. So Josh, are you now a Deadpool fan? Oh, I got T-shirts, really ugly ones too. Well, you've bought There's, nine issues in a row. Yeah. Well. So. It's almost a year. Mm-hmm. Three quarters of a year. I guess. This one was a bit, I don't know, it was a bit jokey for me. Um, uh, I liked it. I jumped <laughs> wait on. Minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> That's the whole book. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because. Look, I read the first six issues. They were all jokes. It would No, no, them. no. I read that. What was the one that I read? The one that had, it was like the, the dot pitch thing. Episode? The very special one. I liked that. That, that was, was jokey too. That was the, no, but it was a different jokey. Like this was like, this yep. was like Mad Magazine. It is, and that's what it is. And like I said earlier, uh, you know, I don't want this forever. This isn't the only thing I want, but a little at a time is not. So well, they're bad. gonna really like they're gonna get more serious because they're doing the whole they're, they're doing like a Weapon X thing. The, the good, you the think bad, they're the gonna get more show. serious, but I don't see that happening. Well, they get they get uh, well. I mean, not totally, you know, serious, but uh, it sounds like a you know more of an action plot than mm-hmm. what this is. But Josh, if you make it twelve issues, you have to get a tattoo on your other arm. Yeah, the Deadpool logo. Yeah, because there's a bunch of guys I'll have a lot in common with. <laughs> Deadpool Tattoo Society. You get a Sloppy Joe on there, or a Chimichanga, that's the thing. Sorry. What, what, is, what is Chin Music? Chin Music, uh, number one, uh, came out from Image this week, and it is a collaboration of Steve Niles. Uh, who, 30 Days who, of Night. 30 Days of Night, uh, and some other pretty good stuff. And, and uh, Tony Harris, or, or as he's known on the internet, Tony Effing Harris. <laughs> um. And it's a, it's like an occult uh, story that 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 starts in, in ancient Egypt and then ends up in Elliot Ness's, I think Chicago. It's very it's very light on the details. Well, not uh, it's it's not ancient Egypt because no, I guess not. Right, because he he meets up with. No, it spans time. I read Was that it? in the. I, it, yeah, I had storytelling issues with this, so I that's... I don't disagree with you, but I looked at it like a cold open, and I'll figure it out later. Okay. Uh, it was really good looking. Uh, we've got we've got Tony Harris was uh, sort of away for a little while, and um, the style that he's using now, the same thing he used on the Whistling Skull, is more drawn as opposed to photo referenced, um, which he he'd openly done before. You know. Um, and he's drawing it, and it looks—it's like there are these hyper, sort of detailed cartoons that he does them in, and I, I really like to look at them. Puppy but, dog eyes freak me out. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a thing. I've I've always I've always liked it, and I like him drawing them. It feels much more organic to me. 
Um, I think it's very pretty. I think that, but there are definitely sections where I was, yep. I have no idea what's happening right now. Yep. Um, and I, I, I don't entirely either, but as far as sort of tone and the look, uh, I was, I was pleasantly surprised because I wasn't really expecting it for whatever reason. And, uh, it was fun. Like I don't go super, I don't, I, when I'm reading a Steve Niles book, I don't really expect it to go super deep. It's going to throw some elements together that I may not have expected. And that's going to be, that's going to be the thing. I like that Elliot Ness stopped in the desert to help a skeleton, basically. He's a good guy. He's a stand-up guy. It's a skeleton. What are you going to do? <laughs> he was talking gibberish. Did the skeleton have a drink? Is that what and the like, problem and, was? And, like, he tells that he got he, – I, I think he was responsible for the Sphinx's nose being knocked off. Yeah, that was a I nice think that's book. the implication. I believe that was French yeah. soldiers who did that. I yeah. will check this but, book out if at some point someone says, that's the Egyptian way. If that happens, then I'll buy it. But it was like the medics are loading up the skeleton into the thing, and, and Elliot Ness is like, I don't think he's going to make it. He's a yeah. skeleton. <laughs> I'm not saying he was gaunt. I'm saying he Listen, was a skeleton with blood That on. is the can-do attitude. That, <laughs> puppy that, dog eyes. That America built had. America. Yeah. yeah, we've lost that. Can, now we look at the skeleton and go, ah, oh, he's dead. He's a skeleton. Oh, also, also, Al, Al Capone is murdered. Oh, from syphilis? Nope, nope, bullet to the head. Syphilis bullet? I guess. We know, what I'm saying is it's an alternate history. Okay. Suicide Squad, number 20. Everyone's talking about this book this week, and I didn't know anyone was reading it. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't reading Suicide Squad at all. Then I see a name like Aless Cott uh, as the writer on there. Um, you think, wow, he's not going to last long at DC. Exactly. I was like, wait a minute. How did <laughs> what happened here that he wasn't one of the guys who got his name announced and then isn't just gone? Um, so I got to see what what happened. We never read a thing this guy did. Pull it all. Help it. <laughs> but I mean, this, this is the this is the guy from uh, Ch- uh, Change or Changes, um, and he does a very like it's like it's 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 a, it's a Morrison kind of like cerebral. Um, it's like Celestials on LSD, like v- like very strange, um, very out there. And I was like, I got to see what he does with a new Fifty Two book, and it's a it's a it's a pretty smart approach to this team. And Josh, didn't you like? Suicide Squad number one wasn't this one of the ones? I that was so long I ago, think, Paul. Yeah, it, yeah, it feels that's like a, a long really time. long time ago. And also, like, I think it was not so much like as, hey, this wasn't completely awful. And well, I, he's got the, he's I got, think I probably read the second one and was like, no, no, that's fine. No. Well, he's got the big shark guy, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. King Shark, King Shark, and King Shark is like on a vegan thing right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's the, trying the, to be, and he's eating kale chips. The premise that's from of this... Finding Nemo. The premise of this series, of this issue, is that uh, some shadowy figure is helping Amanda Waller psychologically break down and profile the team. Uh, and so they, he sent in all these different things to each t- member of the team who's in their, their cell. And uh, we watch them each get broken down and then diagnosed by this shadowy figure, who at the end is revealed to be James Gordon Jr. Um, which I think Hannibal, is a great, which I think is a great fit. And I like the Hannibal Lecter of the uh, DC universe. Yeah, I like the people who are doing stuff with him. I mean... After, you know, Snyder, I mean, didn't introduce him, but reconfigured him yeah. for just before my, the New 52. My Black favorite Mirror. bit, though, was the Shark Man part where, where they sent a blonde bimbo into his shell to seduce him because James Gordon has surmised that he is a virgin. And uh, but uh, it goes badly and the Shark Man ends up eating her, finds out it's a robot. And I, it, and it, I, and it, I like knew that you were going to say it goes after you said it goes badly. It goes, <laughs> I bet he eats her. <laughs> well, that's, he tries you know, to, and then it shocks him, and then apparently he's going to be peeing blood for two weeks. I'll tell you this. Generation. I'll tell you this right now. This is a promise to DC Comics. If you do a King Shark series, I will buy the issues of that. <laughs> I don't care what team you've got on it. Shark. I'm going to buy that. Okay. Well, I like that, that, that this guy is taking this character that could be dumb, like Street Sharks kind of thing, and he's making him kind of interesting. And uh, I... I'm I'm interested to see where he where he takes this and uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of interesting characters yeah in this. like he does he does really good with with Harley Quinn too and the unknown soldier is an interesting element to it too and I there's really, a lot of interesting I really like the panel you used in in best panels of the week with um there's a fight over a Scrabble table and some tiles get knocked and the tiles spell out what what was it like clunk or clunk crunk. or whatever yeah. crunk crunk yeah that's I think that's Which a, is also a popular dance style yes. from what I am led to understand. So that was good. I, I enjoyed it. I, I had read it probably the first six or seven issues until I fell off of it, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm back on to follow the madness for a little while longer. 
I do like I do like uh, the characters. Yeah. Um, the Rocketeer Hollywood Horror number four wrapped up the miniseries. The fun little tale that Jay Bone uh, and Roger Langridge did together about Rocketeer and old Hollywood with uh, cameos from uh, Marx, uh, Groucho Marx and uh, Nick and Nora Charles and other people like that. Um, fun tale. We, we, we've talked a lot about it. We've, we've raved about it. But what I wanted to mention was the excitement I felt by the advertisement for the next one, which is going to be a, another miniseries written by Mark Wade, drawn by uh, Paul Smith from X-Men fame and featuring a team up between Rocketeer and Will Eisner's The Spirit. And a little little uh, promo art looks awesome, so I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to that. I think these Rocket Gemini series have been great. It's like going back to uh, Batman: The Spirit, mm-hmm. which um, was awesome. Which yeah, um, that's the kind of stuff that gets us uh, riled up and excited. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily Justice League versus uh, Masters of the Universe. I'm you know here's the thing though, E-Man Rocketeer. I'm, I'm not saying it. that's I'm I'm at this point anything Rocketeer you can say. Yeah, yeah, you know. I'd, I'd actually I'd be interested in Thundercats Thor. I thought about it. E-Man, E-Man Ghostbusters, not so much. Which well, Ghostbusters? That's a thing. Yeah, is it the real Ghostbusters or the real real Ghostbusters? That one. That okay. one. Yeah. <laughs> Uncanny Avengers Eight. Um, this just continues to be the best. Uh, uh, I just book. we we this was the last issue was pick of the week. Yeah. Uh, and this issue was better than that one. Mm-hmm. That's that's really all I have to say about it. like. This is I'm everything, sorry. Everything we said about it before that, but this is this is it's just what this is this is this is Avengers books, man. This is great. It's that yep. plus more. Uh huh. There is strife on the team. No one really trusts each other. I like I like that. There's a team like this where they are begrudgingly a team. Yeah, and no one really trusts each other except no one for likes Sunfire. There's there's a little you know Cavs Cap and and Thor and Wolverine is in there and but yeah. the the X Men don't really trust it like everyone is sort of eyeing each other warily as they go off to save the world. Yeah. And I Sun, like that. Sunfire likes Sunfire enough for everybody though, <laughs> yeah. um, and that's always fun um, with this dumb vagina face mask. And I like and I like that the bad guys are kind of they they've realized that and they're capitalizing on the fact that the the good guys are kind of begrudgingly together. And they're mm-hmm. going to use that against them, and and I like the and I like the bad guys too. I like I like the temporal synesthesia thing. That's for, I wrote a paper on synesthesia. Wow, Bjorn Bjorn, and 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 just just uh, the art uh, continues to to just Acuna's well, two two guys that amazing. really the story of this week has been uh, Isad Ribic and Daniel Cunha, who really are sort of growing. I'm glad they're on popular books because people need to know how good they are. Yeah, yep, and great time to be a Thor fan too. Yes. Great Thor depictions. So those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. You can go to fanboy.com slash comics where you can make your pull list. You can rate and review your books. And you can also choose your own picks of the week. And we'd like to run down the top five. Picks of the week is chosen by the users. And these are all numbers of this, as, as of the time of recording. And number five was Avengers number 11 with 2.3% of the votes. Number four was The Private Eye number two with 4.9% of the votes. Number three was Uncanny Avengers number eight with 7.6% of the votes. Number two is Batman 20 with 15.3% of the votes. And number one was Thor God of Thunder number eight with 37.9% of the selections. Which... I, don't think, I, don't, I have not made a pick yet. I don't know if I can choose yet. There's a lot of good stuff this week. It was good. Very good week. But I yep. awoke to the sound of thunder. It's true. As we said, as I just <laughs> said, actually, you can go to ifanboy.com slash comics and you can write user reviews from the books you read. And we like to read a couple of those of the show and let us... Now read one about the number two most picked book by the community. Uh, S-Cargo for Lunch, great username, wrote of Batman number 20, story four out of five, art five out of five, uh, wrote a lengthy review about coming back into comics, pick of the week percentage, sorry, 15.3%. Um, this is just part of it. What we have is the conclusion of the two-issue arc that serves as our breather before delving into zero year, and what a blast it is. There's plenty of action, a beautifully realized motorcycle chase, Capullo is a ferocious talent, and Danny Miki's inks are clean and let the art shine. Uh, any word if he's staying on the book? A classic yes. baddie brawl and a visual reference to something that will make every Batman fan squeal in delight. Uh, there's so much to love here. It's almost sad to see Snyder depart this era in Batman's modern timeline. Not everything in this issue is perfect, though. Some of the dialogue falls flat or feels long-winded, but the overall narrative is never affected and is still given many moments to shine, especially the conclusion which gives us a rare insight into Bruce's emotional core. Good issue. Another good issue. I, last it was pick the week, and I really did enjoy this quiet breather between epics. So, 
Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think he, I think he does both pretty well. I think he does longer mm-hmm. stories really well, and um, I think you know we liked um, uh, Death of the Family uh, mm-hmm. more than, uh, than some other people. But I I, I think they that, liked ninety five percent of it, right? <laughs> um, but I thought I thought that ended really strong, and I and I and I like this too. I kind of agree with uh, with with uh, Jimsky. You said on Twitter that uh, everyone in Gotham uh, must be brain damaged to not know that. Uh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. There was there was a bit of that. He's he's Batman. I'm like, yeah, we all know, dude. Everybody's well, that's just comics. Everyone, every superhero is like that. I mean, I that's. I mean, and even his staff, like, there isn't even like the you know the Morgan Freeman like like winking nod that yeah you're you know. It's too bad because that's sort of what Morrison's story is saddled on the rest of the Batman books is that that aspect of it, the whole Batman Inc. and and everyone knowing that Bruce Wayne's attached to Batman now. Um, yeah, you know, so that's something that these guys have to work around. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's that part in in the first Iron Man where he was talking about he was going to say that Iron Man was his bodyguard, right? And then he just like, you know, fuck it, I am Iron Man. And <laughs> that was so cathartic. Yes, I think. <laughs> yeah, in just terms of like, he just sits down and eat his burger, and you're just like, that's oh, that's so much better than than this than this facade that we all have to. It's something really refreshing about it. And then this this issue maybe just because we're just coming out of an Iron Man movie. Um, it felt a lot like Iron Man too. There was an Iron Man movie. <laughs> you weren't invited. We didn't tell you. Um, yeah, we didn't talk about it with you. You'll catch it on DVD um, or the Blu-ray um, or streaming or whatever you do. I don't know. Josh. Next up is Wraith seventeen oh one talking about Avengers Arena number nine. Give the story a three out of five in the art. A three out of whatever. Uh, percentage one tenth of a percent. After nine issues of shocks and plot twists, I'm starting to get numb to what's going on here. The writing and art remain solid, but I'm starting to not care. Maybe it's just me. Correct. <laughs> I think that may be the case. I, I don't know. I think they're ratcheting up everything because, like, I've, yes, a bunch of kids have died already, but we've only just gotten to the point where one kid has killed another kid. And we're also only getting to the point where, like, there was a lot of characters and we're – starting to get into them now and there's they keep folding away different layers of the onion and if and if you're getting you don't like this process and you're getting bored of these characters or the new ones that they sort of start exploring are not interesting you sure but uh i've been uh i've been pretty wrapped by all of the sort of characterizations and 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 uh the way that they intermingle with each other the whole way through uh i'm again just continually impressed by the by the sort of level of characterization and 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 sort of this this little world that this little microcosm of a world that's been swirling around, uh, you know, it, to the point where like, I, I don't care about the mechanics of how it works. I don't need anyone to explain to uh, somebody out there is going to have to explain why arcades doing it or how. Josh, but, why but, did the men die and why the last man? No one still explained it. Not the point. Oh, it's not the point. You read it's the not- arcade issue, right? The, hmm? the, the, like the, why he's doing it. Yeah, I just don't care. Okay, like that isn't the that's not the the gem. Oh yeah, yeah. The point is not the prize the cereal box. What and how and who? Sometimes the when, <laughs> which is now or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> it could be a temporal anomaly. I don't. I don't know. La, la, la. I tried to get away with it, and I was uh, like, Narm, right Narm, Narm. <laughs> Thunk. So you can go to fanboy.com slash comics and write your own user review. Uh, and if, <laughs> if you do it really Narm is always funny. It's been years um, now. Let's do in the in the ten minutes or so we've got left in the show. Let's do a couple of audience. Whenever I uh, see Parenthood, I still say it. Eric Narm from Altamont, Michigan writes and says, "As a huge fan of Bendis and Malie's run on Daredevil, I was skeptical when Mark Wade took over the title and drastically changed the tone of the book. However, after a much deserved Eisner win and subsequent artistic brilliance, I became a believer." What current books do you think would benefit from a similar drastic change in tone? Should Deadpool be a drama? Should Tony Stark go on an introspective walk in the desert? What do you think? Well, Paul clearly thinks Deadpool should be a drama. I don't think that. Can't wait for it. Too jokey for him. What's a very serious Merchant Ivory take on Deadpool? (laughs) I would not want that. Yes, you would. I I would want it. You just kind of convinced me, too. I'm Lots of just, you know, furrowed brows, sidelong glances. No one really saying what they mean or feel. And then a guy with swords. Um, the books of DC Comics. <laughs> <laughs> any one of them would benefit from Mark Wade, or perhaps any one of other dozens of writers. Or, uh, I'm going to stop. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, basically, that's what they did at Marvel yeah. across the board in Marvel a way now. that turned out to be much more meaningful than when they sort of tried to do that at DC. Um, in the long run, it would seem. Where I mean the 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 sort of mechanics of how they did it, well, with renumbering or or whatever the you know, uh, you know the idea was let's you know they switched everybody around, um, so each thing felt a little bit different. Whereas what was going on at DC actually seems like they tried to paint everything with the same brush, the idea of making everything more cohesive, and they just blanded everything down other than a few uh, spots. I think uh, so. Uh, very seriously, you know, like there's a bunch of books. That that I think would benefit from that sort of approach, sort of going in and changing it all over. But they've done that so many times; it it might be a hard sale. I'm not. I don't think anything I read at Marvel I wouldn't change right now. I think they're all firing on all cylinders. The ones I'm enjoying. Yeah. yeah. So I think we're not saying enough about matters of the heart and faith and family with um, Frog Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could do something a little bit more serious with that character. He's used for jokes a lot. I think there's more to be done. I think that there's a there's like if you just take a look at all the different Batman books, um, I think that they all different tones. They all what? They have they different, different tones. tones. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. I don't care about any of them. Right, but they I, all actually. Different. I mean, I like I like I like what's going on in Batman Inc. And I think it's 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 neat. Like it's it's cool to do that with. The thing about Daredevil is, you know, I don't actually think it's all that different. It's the it doesn't feel like a different character. It feels no, like, but it is, it is a different chapter in his life, which yeah. is a bit more lighter than than the very oppressively dark. I think a lot has to do with the so, visual except, aesthetic. I think, yeah, I sure. think that had a lot to stop raining constantly. Right, but he's also he also smiles and laughs a lot more than he ever did. But that's a, that, that that's also a, you know a creative choice. That's that's no small but it, thing. But it does feel like there's a continuous line. Right. It's funny that he mentioned Bendis and Malieve because that was so long ago. There was a lot of books in between there and when Wade took over. Baker. Brubaker yeah. was on it for a good number of years, and then so was Diggle. Yeah. Here, my, 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 my serious answer is um, explore all the tones. Um, I'm really getting into that. Do I something. Mean, you know, you can have, you know, Thor, God of Thunder, but then it would be cool if there was also, you know, like um, Thor, the Mighty Avenger, the, the, you know, the language insomni thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, you know, you can talk about that in terms of um, – publisher priority but then also just just as as readers like um i don't i don't subscribe to just one kind of thor story i like that there are many different kinds many well, different three. tones right <laughs> big little small there's old Werther's original thor yeah. and then there's you know young well uh, airhead also thor. i think i think green arrow went through a successful uh, i was gonna say that was yeah. a good example of recent tone change which worked um, to a certain or it could extent. just be it could just be that the it was just quality change. The it's hard to say. So, so I just yeah. I, I I think that it's just a good opportunity to talk about don't you know don't feel glued to a house style. Like I think it would be it would be great if it was more about diversity and not 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 just you know cultural diversity. I mean, but like you know uh, tonal diversity. There you go, Eric. I don't know if we answered your question, but we tried our best. Let's quickly get a voicemail in. Uh, this call from Oklahoma has a question about our favorites. Hey, I fanboy. This is Brent from Oklahoma. I was just uh, checking in to see who you guys would consider to be your three favorite comic book characters. Uh, thanks. Love the show. Bye. So now we were debating before the show about what is your name, Brett or Brent? Brit. Or Brit. It's do I and I fanboy mating. Figure out uh, three or nine favorite characters. I think uh, it's Brent, but I can't. Well, then this. this mine is easy. You, I know, you guys are going to struggle with this, but mine, mine are the three favorites I've had since since I was five years old. Yours are, yours are yours are Batman, Superman, and Captain America. No, fuck me. You almost got it. Batman, Superman, and Dick Grayson. No, no, yes. no. Yes, yes, damn it. Yes, damn it. Batman, Superman, and the one true Robin um, were my favorite. All-time favorites, That's comic right. book characters. It's because it's because the spotlight's been off him, so I wasn't thinking about him. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> but those have been my favorites. It's been unchanging. Uh, those have always been my favorite. And you can throw Captain America in the top five. Probably, probably number four. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But 
But uh, those are my three favorites. So I'm the easy one because I have been remained unchanged since 1980. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. Just because this is such a broad thing and because Connor sort of set a precedent with superheroes, um, I'm not going to try to dig into like my favorite OGNs and stuff and like indie kind it of It is things. easier not to do that. So I'm just, just for, for brevity's sake, I'm going to go uh, Thor, uh, Superman, and Wildcat. Hmm. Nice. Nice. You went a little bit of a deep cut. He's like a little showy, but also not so far off the reservation. But also true to his his vision. We've we've he he's talked about Wildcat nonstop. Yep. God, okay. our weekly meetings. Like, shut up about. I him. have an okay. action figure of him. John Constantine. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. <laughs> Clint Barton and Steve Rogers. There you go. Why? Interesting that Paul... no one asked why he didn't. Hold on. <laughs> Interesting that Paul said Superman second, which you always associate associate Paul Superman. Interesting that it's not a hierarchy. Said Captain America third when he you long ago a couple years ago proclaimed him your favorite superhero. He's my favorite superhero. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, you know, you got to say Clinton has really made a comeback, and and historically, I, the, there was no order in those. Okay, well, and that, okay, I understand. I was just thinking of what came to your head first, but you could be saving the most obvious for last. That's fine. Yeah. Like, th- there's different reasons for all of them. One's, one's sort of uh, tonally, one's historical, and one's symbolic. I see. Okay. And yeah, Josh, I mean, there are others. I'm staring at books right now. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about it way too much. It's, Where does the century fall? I would say that I left him out, and he's my favorite thing of all time in me. <laughs> You know what, what I mean? about the, what about Lobo? I can't I can't say I've ever thought of Lobo. I'm if you took my three least favorite, it would be the Century Lobo and um, Bizarro. Oh, me and hate Bizarro. Yeah, so those are my three fa- least favorite characters. I'm trying to think of also like just like least favorite. Yeah, no. Batman, um, no. Iron Man, Captain America. Those are your least favorite. Oh, yours. Oh, yours is Cyclops. Cyclops, yeah, definitely. Cyclops, Cyclops, Cyclops. <laughs> Cyclops, Cyclops, and Scott Summers. Just like three of the different costumes, yeah. I don't like Punisher. Yeah, it's true. You don't like. I don't like Hulk, but both of them can work in the right hands. I like Hulk. Why Hulk? Why you make Hulk sad? Yeah, why? Why? Josh hate Josh hate looking at inner rage of self. <laughs> resent resent Hulk for make think hard things. <laughs> That's why I hate Bizarro. I hate reading that. Yeah, that is tough. I was, Although, I was always... Bizarro, the ex- yeah, Bizarro is the extra added element of it's backwards. Yeah. Not literally backwards, but, but you know, uh, the to- meaning is backwards. and you gotta, uh. I, do, I do have a pet peeve just sort of in craft mode of people who write phonetically. I think Garth Ennis is best at getting away with it, but it just slows me down so much that it's not fun. Like to read Arse Face. Like you're just like, oh, my God. And I know they provided translations, but... All right, so there you go. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or call our voicemail line at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697 with your questions. Um, Brett, you might want to call us back if your name is actually Brent. But uh, they, all did, they all did what they should have. They told us where they were from, and I kept it short and sweet. That's how you do it. That's how you get on the show. We these, have I can't shows. handle these regional dialects uh, like <laughs> everyone Oklahoma's. Should, everyone should call us in a flat Midwestern tone. Oh, and uh, Stephanie Brown and Tim Drake, but only in that specific time period. You can't have five no, in your top not. three. Well, that's uh, okay. I, I'm still sticking with my three. Okay. Tell it's us about the changing. other shows we got. Josh, make comics. Oh, there's going to be make comics. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, titles. That'll be on Monday. So this will be the day after you, you can get this show. Uh, it's me and Andy Schmidt of, of uh, Comics Experience, former professional comic book editor, Andy Schmidt. Coughing now. <coughs> Paul, Booksplodes. Uh, Booksplodes. Uh, I talked to Ryan about Mind Management by Matt Kint. Uh, that is our, our May book of the month. Um, you can also listen to special edition podcasts about Iron Man 3, which we haven't told Josh about, um, and Superman Unbound, the latest in the DC animated line. Um, we have, Paul and I are on both of those shows. Yes. Um, Chris Neesman is on one and Ryan's on the other one. Um, and we have other splodes like talk splode, uh, coming up uh, sometime, uh, this coming week. 
uh, I'll be talking to Glenn Weldon about his book, Superman, the Unauthorized Biography. Could have gone safe. He went the saucy route so he couldn't get Superman to sign off. Mm. He's hard to get. He's reclusive like Salinger was. Right. Superman and Salinger are mirror images of the same picture, I think. They say a lot about America. They, yeah, I mean, they that, that, that is America yeah. right there between the two of them. I'd actually like to change Clint Barton mm-hmm. to J.D. Salinger. <laughs> you can check out at fanboy.com. I don't, I don't know if that's Paul's Pick of the Week review, all his Book of the Month review, as well as all of the comic book discussion. There's a lot of stuff that happened this week. You can check it out at fanboy.com. You can find all, all about He-Man versus the DC Universe, uh, which we're so excited for. <laughs> you can find it on other websites, really. You can go to iFanboy.com. We, we link to them. We go to iFanboy.com slash about. You can find our staff pages where you can find out who works for iFanboy and also where they exist in the social networks. And you also follow all the action on Twitter.com slash iFanboy. And Facebook.com slash iFanboy. It was, it was a Friday afternoon. It's a big belt, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it is. It's a really large belt. Uh, I don't know if those headwings can generate enough force to lift that belt. You can email us at contact at <laughs> iFanboy.com or leave a voicemail like Brett or Brent. 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 Um, Brent. At one eight 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 fanboys that's 326-2697, with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics... Brett's and Brett's. it's a contraction. If you dig us right review our iTunes, or just tell your friends about it, or it's Trevor Slattery, everybody. Take, take your <laughs> take take your USB cartridges and give them out to people. But it's imperative that you got shows on there. If you don't, it's just storage, isn't it? It's just blank storage. And then if it's not formatted correctly, then what you got? Nothing. All right. I, I haven't done it in a while, have I? No. It's fun now. Then Josh died. Nice. Uh, so there you go. I like, he, he just snorted I like, some of his dad, allegedly. I like, I like the Rolling Stone article. Clint Barton. That's it for this week's show. Bow and arrow. We have to it's go take nice, Josh to a hospital. He, pull, he pulls it. It's got a nice twang, right? Boing. That no. reminds me. Of a of a thing that they done with the Kinks in '64. I'm Paul. I'm Connor. Hi, right, mate. <laughs>